Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live direct from the internet in a couple of different places right now. Now, you might yes. be listening to this as a podcast. That's pre-recorded. We did that earlier. So Whoa. this is like a little bit of time travel for you, I think, is probably. And us. That's the fun part. It's like back mm-hmm. to the future. Vocal. Mm-hmm. Vocal yeah. only. I'm and I'm going to sex with my mom. Yep. What? Alex is patented catchphrase to kick off the show. <laughs> and we may be in three different places, but our bodies are the same. We look like a legit three-headed monster right now. <laughs> we do. Thank you guys again. And I texted earlier and said, let's wear blue. And Pete, could you drink blue? And uh, and I'm also go. drinking blue. Whoa! Blue. Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, I kind of, kind of. I got a Next Coast IPA. There's a little blue going on. At the nice. top there. So we're Boom. all coordinated. This is what happens after five months of quarantine. Uh, oh, and our mics are blue. Kevin points out in the comments they're blue snowballs. That is absolutely correct. That's true. Blue in name, not in color. And that's yeah. some heads up thinking, Kev. <laughs> Uh, now, if you are watching over on YouTube, first of all, hello, we love you over the on tube. YouTube. Please give us a little bit of a thumbs up over there. We always appreciate those. If you're on Crowdcast, we're going to get your questions later on the show. Drop them and ask a question. Now, before we bring our first guest in, and we have two great guests, as usual, for as you per here usual. on the show, as per usual, Pete, it was your birthday this week. Yeah. How'd it go? How'd it go? How many cheesesteaks did you eat? Oh, man. Well, that's the thing. My plan was to eat two, um, and I only got uh, one um, because, uh, you know, you know. sometimes we make plans and it all just kind of, you know, crumbles apart. It's a little frustrating, you know. The like place a cheesesteak, yeah. Well, not like a cheesesteak. A cheesesteak is warm and delicious. A cheesesteak uh, is crumbled beef and cheese. Crumbled beef? Yeah, what is interesting. that? Interesting. He's only know. had a cheesesteak that's been really truly manhandled by a local Philadelphian. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but um, uh, there is such a thing as like crumbly blue cheese. But yes, I think that's no. a hamburger. Um, yeah, says Josh sure. in the comments. You're thinking of a hamburger, Alex. Oh, right. Well, it was in a patty form, and I got it at McDonald's, and they oh, said, "Here's your cheesesteak." Famous for their cheesesteaks. <laughs> stop. You don't get to talk about cheesesteaks. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things Sorry. where. Pete, sorry I was sucking so hard, you know. Sucking on a cheesesteak. <laughs> yes, bring it out early. It's a great that. sign you of a great show. One. You forced that. That was not organic. It was it's little... organic. Every no. time it's used, it's gold. <laughs> I don't know about that. But yeah, it was just unfortunately, you know, I wanted to have like a eighth grade uh, birthday where we went to go play miniature golf and then like, uh, you know, go go for some food and stuff. But the place wasn't open, so we were scrambling, and it was crazy hot out, and it just kind of one thing blew up after another. So I just started drinking at home and called it a day. 
the perfect yeah. birthday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very nice. I'm sorry to hear that, Pete. I'm glad you got at least one cheesesteak. That is very yeah. good for you. Yeah. Uh, now, let's see. I'm going to see if our first guest has showed up here. going to look. Yes, I, I believe um, Alex is here. Alex? Oh, this is going to be very confusing. It's going to be I'm fun. him into the stream. Justin. He's scared. Alex is scared. He doesn't know he what's is. happening. He's in the oh, chat. No. He's saying help with help. He's saying help. Help. <laughs> Help him in the yeah. chat. Uh, we're going to invite him here. He is the writer of Oni Press's Rick and Morty Bird Person, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Alex Fire. Yeah. Hey. Can you How's hear me okay? Can you hear my voice? Yeah, this is yeah. great. Yeah. This is solid gold. <laughs> this is working so well. Wait, Sweet Alex. hat you got there. Yeah, that's Help. awesome. Thank you. Looking <laughs> sharp. Yes. For Comic Book Club. Only for comic books. You got to dress up. Look at us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll just mention for those listening on the podcast, it's a Waluigi hat. Is that right? A Waluigi hat. Yes. Yes, sir. The reverse L. The reverse L. The evil Luigi. The crueler of the two Luigis. Yes. One for his cruelty. And I, as always, am coming at you from heaven. Uh, I'm in heaven right now. <laughs> yeah, you got a glow going on behind you right yeah, now. Don't walk yeah. into the light, Justin. Not yet, buddy. Come I on. see Peter's like, come on, dude, come in. And I'm like, I got to talk to my guys one last time and hear about bird person. <laughs> I got honestly, like, people talk about a lot of downsides of the pandemic, but with the advent of video streaming and video chats, we can talk to dead people for the first time. And it's yeah. really beautiful. So exciting. Alex. Let's talk about yeah. Rick and Morty Bird Person, which comes out, I believe, tomorrow from Odie Press. No, no, no. August 5th. It was August pushed 5th. forward. Okay. Uh, August. Okay, okay. August 5th. So, this is uh, part of a series of one shots that Oni is doing that are telling the story of specific different characters from the Rick and Morty universe. You uh, got the always awesome fan beloved Bird Person. Yeah. Can you tell us yeah. how did that get set up? Did you pitch them on bird person did they pitch it to you uh how did, how did it happen ah uh they had for the rick and morty presents they go to writers that they are interested in and we present which rick and morty characters we would want to write uh i knew there wasn't a bird person so i pitched a lot of bird person I also pitched a lot of cowboy morty because that was a very exciting yeah uh for me yeah um they ended up going who's the worst character i pitched oh gretchen the sex doll that was <laughs> my favorite of the pitches. I hopefully I get to do it someday. Um, but yes, they went with Bird Person. I'm very happy about that. Well, nice. what is it about Bird Person in particular that you like? I mean, he is such a weird, fun character on the show. But is there something that particularly drew to you to him? Uh, there are a few things that are great about Bird Person. Many. Um, one from just like. You know, when you write Rick and Morty, you want to kind of go into, like, you want to expand from the show while kind of, like, forging your own path. Bird Person kind of, like, gave a lot of opportunities to do that because in the world of Rick and Morty, he is almost a protagonist from another world. Right. So you get to build out that world. You get to build out that universe. From the message that Rick and Morty kind of gives, he's an expansion of that. If Rick is what the fans of Rick and Morty or anyone watching the show would want to be, Bird Person is probably closer to who they are. This socially awkward person who his biggest thing in the show is that he's bad at dating. 
He's mm-hmm. had a tough mating season, and then he dates a teenager. So he's he's bad at being a human being <laughs> and uh, being a, yeah romantically person. So I thought that was just like an interesting thing to explore, and more than anything else, just a fan favorite character with nothing revealed. So I get to invent a lot. Yeah, I mean, on that note, not to I'm not going to spoil anything about the book, which I thought was a lot of fun. And as a fan of Rick and Morty, I thought you did an awesome job with Bird Person with fleshing out this mythology. You do get into a lot of backstory, setting up who he is, where he comes from. How much freedom did you have there? Was there a Bible that you were working off of where you're basically creating it? The Bible. Yeah. Was there, does the Bible exist? Does the Bible resist in the Rick and Morty universe? Yes. Yes. That's Everything a- except one commandment. And I'll let you choose which one. Ooh, <laughs> that's a pretty solid power. Mm, yeah. First of all, I'm surprised you read it. I didn't know copies were coming out. That's cool. Um, but yeah, as for the mythos, really what you see in the script is exactly what I put in. Nothing was challenged. Adult Swim read it like four or five times. Nothing. I get to make bird person's plan and I made up bird person's people. I made up. There are the person birds, the arch nemesis, <laughs> the bird people who are the reverse of bird person. That's something I made up. Um, a lot of bird person's very real religion is in this. Yeah. There was no Bible to go off of generally. And if you, Read the Rick and Morty comics. Uh, incredible kudos to everyone. They really yeah. do give the writers yeah. a lot of freedom to do whatever they want. And you know it because sometimes the comics contradict the show, which is it's fine. It makes for better stories in both uh, mediums. But, yeah, I had incredible freedom. Everything was just uh, uh, for me. Flip Flop 12, Bird Person's <laughs> Planet. I'm very proud of naming that. <laughs> and you came up you came up through the comedy world and then moved into comics is that accurate ding ding because yeah, sure. um, we our arch enemy nat Towson, um connected uh connected to us together yeah. to have you on the show um so how did you make that transition or i mean you're still doing comedy probably as well but uh, uh to go from comedy how did to you comedy? finally get out of comedy um yeah, Jeff, uh, my friend Jeff Loveness, he, they were looking for writers. He recommended me, which was very kind of him. Um, and that was essentially it. Before that, I did comics for The Devastator. So this isn't really my first comic. It's my first comic for a big publisher. And they ended up sending those in. The Devastator is a brilliant small press uh, launched by Jeffrey Golden and Amanda Meadows. And I did my biggest zine for them. It sold out. It went through five printings until The Devastator kind of folded uh, which was the official handbook of the Bowieverse, where it's mm. it's funny, it's kind of what I did for Bird Person, which is I took Bowie characters and gave them this like very intense mythology. Um, yeah, I tried connecting them all together into a shared Bowieverse, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I sent them that. I wrote another thing about Bowie about a, the, the Russian David Bowie who was. A depressing cosmonaut. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of so I went from writing my fan fiction for money about David Bowie to writing fan fiction for money about Rick and Morty, and it's nice. a, a lovely little transition. Uh, so you, we actually have a question here from YouTube. I don't know if there's a joke or not. Hey. Bandito seven forty says, uh, "Did he pitch any noob noob? Did you pitch any noob noob? Any noob noob? They did noob noob." 
They did new music. Mm. In the very first Rick and Morty Presents, Rick and Morty Presents The Vindicators, where Noob Noob was a villain. Um, it's They're very good comics. I, I say this yeah. just legitimately being shocked. I shouldn't be that shocked, but I was legitimately like, these are great comics. These are good expansions of Rick and Morty. These work well on their own. And just reading them went like, God, I got to write a very good bird person story. I can't just do bird person finds the slime or whatever. I got to figure out what makes them thick. Well, I mean, to your point, I think a lot of the times when you think about licensed comics, and this isn't totally true, almost across the board, but when you think about them, it's just, eh, this is a brand extension. We're doing this because there's no show on. We got to put some comics out, keep it top of mind. We're not really going to pay attention to it. But to your point, these Rick and Morty books in particular, I think we've reviewed almost every one of the one shots on our stack podcast. And they've all really drilled down on the characters, really captured the voices, which I think you do as well, which is something that is not easy to do, particularly because Rick and Morty, they're talking so quickly, they're overlapping, there's a lot of cross-dialogue, which is not an easy thing to do in a static format. How did you tackle that? How did you approach making it feel like the TV show, but in the still pages of the comic? Oh. Um, ooh, there are questions in the chat. Sorry, I'm going to ignore. Um, ignore the chat, because that's, you know, who's in there? That's uh, talking. That's, yeah. Nap? I like Nap. Which one's Nap? Forget it. I'm going to answer the question. Um, <laughs> all right. On on that matter, it it really was just a lot of watching the show, drilling down the things. A big part of the show is Justin Roiland kind of talking to himself. I am very lucky. She's in the picture right here. It's a picture of us. My girlfriend is a very, it's an amazing comedy writer. So I would just talk to her as Rick and Morty, basically. I would talk in that style. It's like an audio medium. And those scripts are good. Like you hear the script, you can hear Rick's voice. So in the script, you see like I have him stutter. I have him repeat themselves. I have him say kind of non sequiturs in that style. And my goal is if I could make Annie laugh, then it's probably a good Rick and Morty style joke. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, here's the question from First Hand Up Guy, whoever that is. We don't know. Uh, question from Fire on that note. Rick and Morty has a really strong writing staff. Does it feel difficult to tell a Rick and Morty story with only one writer, or do you feel like God? Wow. Oh, just my God. Getting back uh-huh. to the Bible once again. Mm, yeah. Which commandment's missing? Always kissing straight up. <laughs> mm. I'm um, Jewish. I mean, that's how you do it, right? You're like, uh, yeah, I think give so. Give a little kiss. Kiss of the kiss sky. Yeah, that's on point to the squirrel family that lives above me, mm-hmm. as always. Um, do I feel like God? <laughs> but as for writing the comic, oh, it was easy. Because, you know, I've been writing comics and those kind of stories for, like, a bit. I met, The Rick and Morty episodes are, media is just more, like, moving media is just more kind of complicated. And you need more writers because you're producing just so much content. You need the feedback of the actors, everyone like that. And in my case, um, you know, I did write the script on my own. I did, like, when I got the writer, who is the brilliant Fred C. Stressing, um, you know, Fred did add a lot of the stuff there. It was, it really was a collaboration in the end, like what I provided the story and the words and Fred told the rest of the story through visuals. So in terms of like, you bring together like a full writing staff because everyone's strength kind of complements each other. Um, yeah, I, I felt good. I felt good writing the story it was something very 
true to a lot of feelings of like isolation. I especially pulled from like feelings of isolation uh, that I had like in the comedy scene in Los Angeles, which I'm sure everyone has. This is a pit show. I am sure everyone relates to feeling like dog shit in comedy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I got to tell like a very personal story with uh, the bird person at the front. And then I really did have a collaborator to, Three great collaborators who were all very, very vocal about how to tell the story. Fred Stressing, um, Leonardo Ito, who did the colors. And there's a very Sandman-inspired sequence where you'll see, like, Leonardo did these great, like, moldy greens, these great, like, nightmare colors. And Crank, exclamation mark. Uh, Yeah. But Fred Fred was so good. Fred, this was not something I wrote in. Fred gave, because it's about bird person going from, a bird teen to a bird adult oh, is, hmm. I guess, the tagline. Um, but and he gave him zits in every shot. He gave him this, like, awkward, like, teen mustache. Uh, so, yeah. It, it wasn't, you know... The, I don't know the, anything about an awkward teen mustache. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, I'm that's your whole look right now. I'm a man. Yeah. I'm a man. Exactly. I'm a man about to walk into heaven, so there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Hey, preferable to here, am I right? Hey! Oh! Uh, not to throw them under the bus or anything, but the Rick and Morty fans are certainly an interesting fan base. You know, they could be pretty yeah. protective about stuff. They could get pretty fiery about stuff, not to play off your name or anything. But are you are you at all concerned about any sort of feedback from them or anything like that? Or was that not part of the equation? Uh, I don't think about that because I love Rick and Morty. And, you know, like the, the, the vocal fan base is because the fan base is like massive. You know what I mean? And a lot of people feel ownership of it because it is so like you never you very rarely see that kind of fan base where other than like for Trump or whatever, where the fan base is just kind of like the people who are vocally negative. And people are, you know, like a lot of people like the character bird person. They're figuring themselves out. They can feel frustrated at times. And it's kind of like one inspiration for it was kind of the way that an awkward teenager would feel uh reading it so I'm, I'm not concerned about the fans first of all i think they'll like it or not read it um <laughs> that's the spirit <laughs> speaking i think if they read it they'll like it and if they don't that's funny that's funny if everyone gets mad at me so yeah i mean it sort of is i mean yeah, why yeah. but uh, everything we've been saying is that Rick and Morty is a show that just goes in every direction at once in a good yeah. way uh and i think the comics have really grasp onto that and you're able to just shoot off in so many creative directions and i feel like fans that are going to pick something out and be mad it's about them it's not about what you're making because the show is that yeah but i'll be honest also if a bunch of people pick it up and get mad at it, that's an act of love too uh like that's wow. an act of passion that's an act of that's an act of being interested in the work and 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 uh you know interacting with it on their kind of level. And I think the best example of that from us, like also the fan base is like, it's a show aimed at teenagers primarily. The passionate so, people. Yes. Very passionate, passionate about everything, passionate about each other, passionate about, about television. Um, and, 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 you know, I think every fandom is like very s- strong in that sense, but also just like as adults, we've spent the last month, we've spent the last year talking about like, the Joker movie, for example, whether it's good <laughs> or bad. And that like that's about our aesthetic taste as adults, basically. So yeah, I, I hope everyone uh 
you know, if they hate it, they read it and they engage with it. As someone who still dresses like a teen, I feel that passion every day. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm writing Bingley characters. I feel that way, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alex, before we let you go, Mm -hmm. this book, as you mentioned, is out August 5th. Anything else you want to plug? Anything else coming up for you? Uh, Let's see. Anything else? Uh, Just follow me on Twitter. I release videos there, character stuff. Uh, I will will drop my handle in the chat. Um, And hopefully you all like it. Alex Fire, if you're listening to the podcast. Here, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the book. It's really great. Oh, Even if you're yeah, not a congrats. fan of Rick and Morty, great thing to check out. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks so much, buddy. See you, Alex. Uh, for real, though, I, I know we said this, but I like to kind of reiterate this stuff when we get the when the guests are no longer in the chat. I think the, the book's real good. Like, I was so very impressed with the character arc, the relationship between Rick and Bird Person. Really fun stuff. And uh, Justin, you're not really a fan of Rick and Morty, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't really watched it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm not. I'm not anti it by any means, but I, yeah, I haven't watched you're the series vehemently against it. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, you're Justin. throwing me. You're throwing me under a weird bus here, my man. <laughs> Justin, you're an asshole, right? So well, that's not what's happening here. Um, <laughs> no, I truly. I just haven't watched the show. But you I died because <laughs> you tried to fight Dan Harmon, right? You say yes. that Rick. That's and Morty right. Sucks. I fought him years ago when he was just a guy on the street screaming, fight me, fight me. Uh, But I do love the I've loved the comics is my only real exposure to the Rick and Morty verse. Yeah, cool. Uh, There you go. Speaking of fighting, I think we should bring in our next guest into the stream. His name is Corey Lewis. He is the writer of Peng Action Sports, another Oni Press book. Uh, this is a big Odie show. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Lewis. Yeah. Yes. Hey, guys. Hello. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah. No problem. I'm doing great. Awesome. <laughs> I'm very excited really... to chat about Pang. This is something, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been doing Pang in different forms since 2005. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty old. <laughs> it's <laughs> a life right. project. It's about the same length as our show. So we are yeah, exactly. not right. We understand right. commitment uh, oh, to yeah. a project. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I, I would like to say, though, every time uh, I read the title or somebody says the title, I immediately think of that sound when you hit a kickball. You do? Yeah, it's really great. That's the uh, (laughs) intent. Awesome. (laughs) I'll never forget, I came up with that on the bus. I was like, that's the sound of the kickball being kicked. That's the title. (laughs) That's great, great, man. It's crazy how evocative that is. Great. It's so simple, but it's like, oh, of course, there's no other sound that is that sound. And oh, a lot of people don't really get it at first, but once you kind of explain it a little bit, they're like, oh, awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, for those who haven't picked up the book, this is a collection of a bunch of different uh, Pang kind of uh, one shot stories. There's some pinups. Three stories. Three stories. Yeah. Uh, there's also a couple of just like pieces of art throughout from Pang. Uh, yep. And the idea of the book is action kickball like it's not just kickball it's kickball plus in more yep. parlance. Uh, <laughs> you're saying you're on a bus when you came up with the sound what was the original mm-hmm. genesis of the idea uh actually playing some kickball like uh, 15 years ago with some checks people. out <laughs> yeah, yeah it really yeah. checks out yeah and it was a really fun game and there was a lot of personalities involved and uh at the time i just finished my first graphic novel shark knife uh, nice. And I'd seen movies like Shaolin Soccer and stuff was around back then. Just yeah. that kind of action, taking stuff and plussing it, if you will. It reminds, so, 
It reminds mm-hmm. me also of the uh, Boondocks episode where they played uh, kickball. Oh, word, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen that one, but I've had a lot of people tell me about yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> My friend LaShawn used to like art direct that show, so. Oh, wow, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the great things about the book is you have all of these different characters while I've... Is it, I don't know if you call it like different powers. It's kind of different powers when they're playing the the kickball. Uh, who started first? Who was the first character you came up with? Oh, in Pang or just in general? In, in Pang. In Pang. Uh, that would probably be Rocky. Hallelujah. The main oh, kind of character. Mm. And he's the little brother of Shark Knife. Caesar Hallelujah from Shark Knife, the main character of Shark Knife. So there's a... Nice. Uh, yeah. That universe. Establish yeah, exactly. that universe. Plus so shark knife right <laughs> Oh wow. Yeah. That's yeah, hold yeah. it up, man. Let's see it. Yeah. Ah, there go. So Enjoy. good, yeah. Yeah. Um what's great is you also have like cameos and stuff in there. Like that yeah. Scott Pilgrim thing was hysterical. Scott Pilgrim is in this freaking book. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty well, crazy. So, yeah. I mean, let's talk about that because Scott Pilgrim yeah. and Peng originally came out at about the same time. Where you, yeah. And there's definitely like, they're different books and your style is very different from Brian Lee O'Malley, but there's certainly similarities there as well. Uh, oh, they're both also Oni Press books. Was this mm-hmm. something that you guys kind of set back and forth? Did you work on it together? Because it feels very much like of a time, this style developing. Most definitely. It was definitely like a shared kind of style universe going on back then in those aughts. Those aughts were good times, I tell you. Golden age. Yeah. Uh, I would have (laughs) known. Oh, it was amazing. It was good times. Uh, We all were on like forums and stuff too. I actually maintained a couple forums back back in the day. One of them was called Gingerbox, which sounds a little weird, but I just thought it sounded cool. (laughs) A bunch of artists on there like Mal, me. Uh, Becky Cloonan was on there occasionally. Yeah. Uh, LaShawn, which I just mentioned, was on there. Uh, but yeah, we all just kind of had this energy and this style. And Scott Pilgrim and my stuff definitely shared. We were really good friends, you know. So yeah, just pretty inherently sharing styles and stuff like that, I would say. And the energy and stuff. Yeah. So this book, uh, I. I could certainly see your style developing over the course of the different stories. Yeah how, yeah. how many years does it go over? How many years does it encompass? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are like a decade apart or something. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, Cause like the first pang I actually have, here's the first issue that it came out wow. and this wow. one is 70 pages and it's floppy. So this never got like shelf time. So that's why I yeah. consider like the actual new book that's coming out, like the rebirth, like, the true final book of Pang coming out with the spine. Oh, look at that spine. Uh, Gotta have the yeah, spine. Like glorious spine. Oh, yeah. It's got, like, <laughs> shiny stuff on the cover and stuff, too. Like the, yeah, the cover's great. Dynamic. There's a signature on there, too. It's a, Ray is my pen name, Cor- Corey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, right, yeah, so the there. different ones. Like, a, a, a big example is the fact that the first original Pang story is, like, hand-drawn with pencils and back then i didn't even ink so much i was just really hard pencil and up the contrast and photoshop and whatnot but then the later stories like freeze freeze is the breakdancing story that closes out mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah. And, and yeah and this one is uh digital it's like one of my first comics that i've gone all digital drawing so you can wow. see differences and the different styles definitely have pluses and minuses i don't know i, I like them both <laughs> I, I think it's great i mean just it just as like a record of what you've done over the past year sure. plus, it's really impressive Definitely. to see that change over the course of that time. Uh, yeah. You said, uh, I think you said final Peng volume. Are you done with it at this point? Or are you moving on to some other things? Um, 
Well, I think what I meant was just freeze closes out the story, oh. the Pang book. Um, right. It's kind of cool that three different stories have different characters of, from the main Foot Nux team. That's the four of them right there. Rocky, Radley, Sassy, and Ven. <laughs> <laughs> it, it totally kind of got a TMNT thing going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the main star of the last story, Freeze, is uh, Ven, and he's like he can kind of predict time and stuff like that. So, right, no, there'll be more paying in the future for sure. Actually, I've just started already doing the follow up because this one ends on a really fun little. I don't know. I don't want to show it too much, but uh, <laughs> very fun. Yeah, very fun little. Not a cliffhanger, but a sign for things that can come. And I've always had like a follow up story in mind. I'll just put it this way. It's kind of a man versus machine. Like what if Peng also met Terminator? So oh, very cool. Nice. Yeah. I definitely want to get into that. <laughs> how much kickball, how much kickball do you get out and play um, these days? Do you have to these go days? out there and sort of refresh yourself with uh, Man, I wish. Sound? I, I wish you, you let me know guys, if you want to go play kickball sometime, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Always we'll, 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 we'll keep yeah. our distance. We can make it happen. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of questions. Here. <laughs> uh, this is one from over on YouTube. Uh, Ramzi Hassan says, in UK slang, peng means hot. Check it out on Urban Dictionary. Right. Aware of that. I've heard that. I've, yes. I've heard that. And also, I think it's like a Chinese name, kind of common mm. in China. And also in a game called Dead Space, there's a lot of posters for it, like a, a beverage called peng. And I get a lot of that. Like, And the poster <laughs> says, like, what will be the outcome? It's like something weird and mysterious. And people are like, if I read your book, will I find the outcome? I'm like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> That's some great cross-cultural uh, luck that you had. None of it know, is, right? no, no swear words. It's all like sort of nice stuff. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it was organic, like the way I thought yeah. it was. Like, I mean, there's not anything uh, else. Here's this bang. And as a follow-up, are you ever going to resurrect Sun Bakery? Um, probably. That's, yeah, that's for like my random stories that don't have another kind of home. Like, cause I do a lot of short stories. Uh, and yeah, some bakery collected the first collection of those and yeah, in the future. Yeah. I'd say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, question over here on Crowdcast, Corey, when you work digitally, do you do tight pencils or do you go straight to inking? Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Uh, cause I always felt like my thumbs and my basic pencils were always what had the energy. And uh, when I would go to ink traditionally back in the day, I felt like I'd lose a lot of that energy. So that's what I love with digital, too, is like half of it is just kind of erasing stuff I don't want and keeping the basic layout, which has the energy, and then adding a little bit to just places. So that's why some of my new digital stuff looks a little loose and sloppy and stuff. But I like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've been working with Oni Press at this point for well over a decade, maybe two decades mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, what's mm-hmm. changed with them? What's changed with the comic book industry? That's oh, a big question. Big question. Just real quick. Tell I don't me know. Everything that's changed with comics in the past. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> here it all is. No, I don't know. A lot more digital. Yeah. Sure. Um, no, but, uh, what's been what, what's been about uh, this relationship with Oni that has changed and or been right. continuous for you? Right. Well, they're a pretty uh, small and personable company, you know. I feel like there's never more than like 15 or 20 like main employees, you know, there, um, which is not like an insult or anything. I think that's awesome. Like, I like yeah. the small. Yeah. Um, For sure. I think it's great, especially the way that they really, it feels like they have their sort of hands on every book that's coming out. In a hands on, but also hands off. For creative, Yeah, I guess, so. but I guess they yeah. know about it, in a way, but they let you get go and create on your own. Absolutely. They've always let me do like pretty much whatever and sharp knife and pang and stuff. So yeah, 
No complaints. <laughs> awesome. uh, oh man, we were really digging for dirt there. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. trying to blow up this uh, industry here. <laughs> I just make fun comics, man. That's all I'm here for, dude. <laughs> so now, other than the comic book stuff, you work on some TV designing and other things like that, right? I have done that in the past. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I consider myself kind of a renaissance man. Nice. <laughs> nice. Play the lute, obviously. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. Toss a coin to your Witcher and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> that checks um, out. No, I play guitar and shit, man. I, I love all <laughs> I really do. I've been researching tons of Walt Disney and stuff lately. I like that, dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do uh, character designs for shows and animation. And like, I love doing that. You know, that's uh, contributing. That's like a whole different perspective on when I'm even making my books, I'm looking at that kind of global eye and like, I would love to make toys and stuff of my stuff someday. Absolutely. Video games and all that stuff. So yeah, I love comics, but I want to do it all kind of. So. Well, I yeah. think uh Pang would be a great, uh, uh, video game. Uh, it's a badass comic. It's a, a lot of fun. Uh, it oh, rhymes, yeah. reminds me a little bit like, uh, back in the Nintendo days, I played the shit out of super dodgeball. Hell yeah. I would love to play Pang. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's that's the spirit right there. Absolutely, that kind of super deformed, cute but badass. That's my yeah. whole yeah. thing. It's cute but badass. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, the book is great. Before we let you go, anything you want to plug? Anything else coming out other than Peng? Right. Well, uh, in lieu of conventions being canceled, you can actually pre-order Peng on a little campaign I'm running right now on Indiegogo for the book and you get like special stuff like the signature here and i'm making like yeah. enamel pins i make enamel pins on the side coastalvania.com my storefront Ooh, nice. yes so on the indigo you can get the book and you can get some uh yeah coastalvania it's like coastal it. castlevania but with coastal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get the book with uh pins and all that stuff and i have a new book coming out soon called gun brain if you think mm. Pang is crazy, just wait till you see well. Gun Brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's a great tagline right there. Thank if I've ever heard one. Thank I mean, that's you. great. Uh, you want to see Gun Brain. <laughs> yeah. You want to see Gun Brain? It's very inspired by like kind of Exo Squad and like Final Fantasy VII. Like, oh, kind of, like, I love Exo Squad. Yeah, yeah. And my plan is probably to crowdfund that one too because, you know, I like doing the crowdfund thing, doing stuff direct to people. So that'll be happening soon too. It's all on my Twitter. Ray Station, R E Y Y Y Station. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. Awesome. Corey, right on, thank guys. you so much for coming on. Again, love the book. Definitely check it out. Thanks a lot. You guys are pretty thank cool, you. too. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Corey Lewis wow. again, paying such a fun book. Definitely check it out. So good. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we got, went live. Uh, I don't know why I didn't bring this up in the interview, but I feel like we reviewed this book back in 2005. Like I think we did as well. Yeah. yeah. Specifically when we got to uh, the Scott Pilgrim cabio, there's a Scott Pilgrim cabio of one paddle. I was like, I remember talking about this 15 years ago, which is a wow. very weird feeling. Yeah. We always said we'd meet again, and here we are. Oh, man. We've been doing the show too long. You can't even keep track of everything, man. (laughs) Pete, you can't keep track of what happened two weeks ago. That's true. Wahhabi. (laughs) Horrible. On that horrible note, we are going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! 
And for that, all you got to do is leave a question for us. That was pretty straightforward. You figured that out. But if you're on YouTube, drop something in the comments. I'm keeping an eye on over there. If you're over on Crowdcast, drop a question and ask a question, and we'll start sifting through those. I already see a bunch of them. So I got it. Oh, what is it, Pete? I was just going to say, I just followed Corey on uh, Twitter. Oh, uh, congratulations. You're a superstar pins. host of the show, Pete. Uh, those <laughs> pins look great, man. Those are pretty cool. How do you do it all, Pete? On Twitter, you're making some sort of pasta, cutting fresh flowers, as always, right to your right. <laughs> Oh my good. Uh actually I did uh, we did get a question through email that I think I will start with uh just because I think this ties Ooh. in nicely with the beginning of the show. This is from Spider Dash Borg. Where did you get that sucking on a cheesesteak clip? I'd love to see or hear it yeah. in its original context. <laughs> the people the people want to know. Oh, I'd love to hear it see or hear it in my original the original context, but my Google foo is failing me. Uh, so it's funny that was something that started on our Riverdale podcast, Riverdale After Dark, and we just started using here because it's very funny. Uh, that's yeah, hilarious. It, Pete loves it. This is a huge fan for the not final but last episode of Riverdale After Dark that we did for the season finale. We were going live, and we decided to get me and Justin decided to get Pete a bunch of presents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and those presents were all cameos from cast members of Riverdale. Uh, we got Natalie Bolt, who plays Penelope Blossom. Uh, we got Kerr Smith, who plays Principal Honey. Uh, and we also got Lachlan Monroe, who plays the Black Hood, uh, which we thought, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but we felt like those would be the funniest ones just because Pete has railed against all of their characters. It's just crazy to get to hit three home runs at consecutive at bats like we did there. <laughs> like for God's sakes, have you ever felt so loved? Like it's almost like we kept a present in our like closet uh, to give to our dad that had left <laughs> oh, our home wow. for years, wow. and we gave it to you, and that was Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Cabio, but you basically have like 250 characters, I think, on Cabio to ask them to say a bunch of things, so to give them some props. Uh, so for each of them, I asked them uh, to say something about a food item that is iconic with Pete LePage. The one for Lachlan Monroe was a cheesesteak, and he's... <laughs> Stuck in the end of his thing, he was like, "Hey, enjoy the Riverdale season finale, buddy. Whether you're sucking on a cheesesteak or whatever you're doing, <laughs> honestly, I don't ever laugh as purely in my life as I do when I hear sucking on a cheesesteak. I don't know what it is. It just gets me." I think it's the 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 picture, like visually picturing just Pete just being like. Yeah. Oh, really? See, for me, it's the idea that he just said that as a thing. She's like, oh, this fan will like if I say this about him. And the energy uh, he says it with. He sounds like uh, Tony Soprano somehow. Oh, man. Uh, so good. Uh, anyway, so that's the origin of Suck It Out Cheesesteak. We got some questions here over on Crowdcast. Pete, you love it. From Nick Kelly, what's one comic that you love, but for some reason or another you've not talked about on the show over the years? 
Oof. Oh, wow. What, name a thing we haven't talked about, not even comics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only way I keep things fresh in my memory is by mentioning them over and over. Otherwise, they're completely gone. Right. Uh, but a comic that we haven't talked a lot about that you still think is pretty good that we don't talk a lot about on the show. I mean, uh, I've always wanted to like, there's a comic that I've brought up a bunch of times, but like, I would love to kind of go back and get your guys's take on book Hunter that uh, won by a sugar. Ah, yeah. uh, uh, to me, it was just such a smart, fun comic. Um, and I'm a sucker for like, violence but in like a fun cartoony way so we should revisit that that's a book that i feel like i've heard you talk about truly hundreds of times but we only read it once for one episode (laughs) yeah uh i'll throw out one that i don't i don't think i've talked about in years at this point but i've also sort of been a little lax in reading it empowered by adam warren Uh which is great book so good i love adam warren's stuff Part of the reason I don't bring it up is because I don't love when you guys jump on, like, you like pervy comics. Yeah. Certainly. You don't love that? I don't know. It's not my favorite thing. Uh, Somebody said it's very pervy, so. (laughs) It's weird that you're uh, both knocking down this reputation that you have and also simultaneously really building it up. Yeah. Well, the thing about uh, Empowered is it's his joke on bondage comics while still being a bondage comic. Oh, so boy. It's very fun. The characters are good. It's great. I'll throw out another one just because we're talking about it more in uh, Live Wires, which is a book that he did for Marvel back in the day that was about, like, descendants of all of their tech characters was awesome. So good. And it's one of those books that they – have never touched on or brought back in continuity ever again. I think once somebody used one of the characters very briefly, but it's such a smart, fascinating book. Uh, and it's something that I feel like somebody is going to find 10 years from now and be like, oh, yeah, let me bring that back. That was such a good idea. I'm going to throw out a book that uh, just doesn't come up a lot, but it's by James Robinson, um, uh, who wrote uh, Starman, one of my favorite comics. Yeah, we know uh, f- favorite. Yeah, you know that one. Uh, but this is a, a book before that, Firearm, which is part of the Ultraverse, which Ooh. is a uh, great comic about sort of a, a character you might like, Pete, sort of a older Punisher-esque man who is sort of coming to grips with everything that he's done. Have you ever read it, Pete? No. Uh, I'd love to check that out. That'd be a good. Might one. be giving me some ideas for retirement, you know. Oh, interesting. Wait, you're going to become a Punisher? Yeah, <laughs> you, you getting close to retirement? Uh, I don't think so. He's one Just, day away from retirement. Actually, he is getting <laughs> too old for this shit. Technically, but I will say, Pete, do you feel like you because you only ate one cheesesteak, you feel like you're losing a step? Yeah, yeah. Checks uh, out. Question here from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Which show do you guys love that racked up a bunch of Emmy nominations? I'm glad to see Watchmen racked up 26. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Bonkers. Uh, You know, I think I expected or hoped. Regina should win all of them. That Watchmen would get some sort of nomination at the Emmys. It felt like. Hope you know if any superhero or comic book based show is going to get it, it's going to be Watchmen. But twenty six nominations, the most of any show, totally deserving it. It's Fantastic! Crazy. Somebody pointed out uh, if you watch the show, this is a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, but both of the Will Reeves got nominated for best yeah. supporting actor, which is <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and talk about like just. 
becoming uh, they made that show and then it felt like the world sort of shattered in a way that that made Watchmen even more relevant like the fact that on this is a big thing on Twitter that most people hadn't heard of or not most but many people hadn't heard of the Tulsa massacre mm-hmm. until Watchmen and Watchmen yeah, became this the, yeah uh, this just huge thing um, and obviously everyone should have known about that but it's it's just wild and the fact yeah, that they're being recognized. I mean, it's crazy because it's something that, to your point, I mean, the thing that you're, I think, getting towards is then with the Black Lives Matter movement just exploding in the, the wake of George Floyd's, George Floyd's murder, uh, it became timely and relevant to all over again. Yeah. The fact that the cops and everybody are all wearing masks and there's so much discussion about masks, that feels like it's something that skims the surface there. And there's so many other parallels. It's crazy but um yeah i mean that's the big one i think there were plenty of other nominations that were fun to see and i was excited about but that was the one that was like great that's good that's the show of the moment uh, i want to give a shout out to my friend darcy carden uh janet on the good place who got a nomination uh which is for uh sporting oh, actor which is wild. shout outs yeah friends that's nice it's so exciting yeah. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Forky asks a question, which was nominated for best animated short. Um, that's doing great as uh, well. Yeah. Wow. wow. Forky shout out. <laughs> Look, we're all shouting stuff out. Alex, Forky, me, Darcy, Pete. You want to shout out a fictional person or a real person? Um, I'm just going to uh, shout out malt liquor and cheesesteaks. <laughs> I feel like you are retiring. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, question from Ben the Border Collie. I'm working on a new superhero named Crumbly Beef. What should his power be? <laughs> wow. Great question. Great uh, question. This, is one, this is the one that's on the tip of everybody's lips, so I'm yeah. glad we're talking about this. Superhero named Crumbly Beef. Um, I think Crumbly Beef is really about, like, when he's around his friends, you know, maybe shredded lettuce and uh, cheese, you know, like... Shredded he, lettuce. He, like, <laughs> yeah, formed like Voltron. <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think just, you know, uh, being very oily in the pan and then, like, have it dump out a bunch of oil. Oh, man. I feel like crumbly beef, right when the action happens, uh, just instantly falls apart. <laughs> just when you need crumbly beef to be together, uh, it's in pieces. No, no, no. I don't like that. Mm, interesting. Uh, I just want to mention we have a couple of more, a little more discussion about Watchmen happening over here on YouTube that I want to read off. Uh, first of all, I wonder how many Watchmen are going to take home in terms of the Ennies. I keep reading that people think it's going to sweep. And then somebody says the Watchmen TV show is better than the comic. Ooh. What do you think about that? Well, it's definitely well, less sexist. Uh, well, uh, I it's I mean, those, they're two different things. I, it's hard to I don't feel like you need to say one is better than the other because they are truly the beauty of the show is it exists within and without the Watchmen comic and uses those themes in a totally new way. So I, I think it's a totally separate work um, and I love them both. Yeah, I agree. I think you've got. Watchmen is commenting on comics. Watchmen, the TV show, is commenting on TV shows and movies, as well as a bunch of other things on both fronts. And they both exist. I mean, I think that's the reason that Watchmen, the TV show, is so good, is it doesn't invalidate the comic. It doesn't work against the comic. Instead, it's expanding on it and commenting on it. Yeah, I think uh, that's... And creating its own story, which is kind of magical. Yeah, for me, it comes back to this... 
uh, Jay-Z line where he's like, I made the Yankee logo more famous than a Yankee can. And like at first hearing that as a Yankee fan, I got pissed because it's like, hey, man, you know, don't take something that wasn't yours. But he's taking something that already exists and bringing it to another level, which I appreciate. And I think what's great is you can't have the Watchmen TV show without the Watchmen comic. And it did. The Watchmen comic did peel a bunch of caps back. They, it did expand people's minds show what you could do with a comic that was really new and different, regardless of how out-to-date it was. And then Watchmen, the TV show, took that idea and really ran with things and pushed things and educated people in a way that was needed. So it's nice that it's getting this celebration. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, we're getting a lot of chat here over on Crowdcast about DC Comics expansions of Watchmen, whether it's before Watchmen or Doomsday Clock or anything like that. We've certainly talked about almost every issue of both of those on the show, Uh, particularly Doomsday Clock. To me, it feels like that coming out, uh, whatever you want to say about the book, coming out at the same time as the TV show, it certainly suffered in comparison. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and it also just was a tougher is a tougher situation across the board. No matter the timing of that, I think it was going to be a tough sitch. Yeah, and, I mean, the before Watchmen stuff, there was some real great stuff in there, especially art and storytelling, um, but definitely didn't kind of live up to the hype that the Watchmen was. Yeah. Yes. There you go. All right. Let's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> question for Kevin, like Bird Person, who's a character from a medium other than comics that you love to read comics about? Ooh. Uh, and I guess somebody who hasn't been in a licensed comic already. So like Dan Rather, for example. Oh, that's wow. a good one. He, yeah, I love to read comics about him. Just doodles. He's good on Twitter. He is good on Twitter. Yeah, he is good on Twitter. Um, so you want a Dan Rather comic? Sure. Well. I'd that, rather have that. Ooh. <laughs> There's your first fun, issue. Fun fact, Dan Rather, born on Halloween. Um, I used to work at the uh, 48-hour TV show he hosted back Yo, in the day. Pete, your life is constantly expanding. Your life is like a universe. It's like an onion where we keep, we're crying, obviously, and we keep cutting deeper into it. <laughs> we're and there's crying, more obviously. fucked up stuff uh, underneath. You worked for 48 hours? and you were for, like, 48-hour CBS News, man. I got... And how did stories how did the Halloween for days on thing that? come up? Was he like, I'm Dan Rather, and I was born on Halloween? Well, we were working on Halloween, and half the uh, staff was dressed up, um, I being one of those. And then um, at some point, like during a lunch break, we all kind of gathered around Dan and wished him a happy birthday. And then he started telling like stories uh, and stuff like that. And then shared that it was his actual birthday. Hmm. Hmm. Really what nice. did you do for the, for the show? 48 hours. I was a, 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 a hard nosed news show. <laughs> oh, I killed. Oh, wait, Pete, you froze for a second. What did you say? Yeah. He froze up. I, I I don't know what the question was, but uh, I was a location assistant. Location assistant. Nice. Yeah, right beer, underneath, yeah. the, right yeah, underneath beer, the line producer. Uh, beer yeah, PhD yeah. here with the important question that I wanted to follow up with, too. What was your costume, Pete? Um, 
Oh man, I don't. It was. Uh, it was. It was a ninja on vacation. Okay. Okay. A so ninja on full ninja outfit, and then on top of that was a Hawaiian shirt, uh, and then on top of that was a camera. Classic nice. doubled up costume. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Excellent. Uh, over here on YouTube, Bandito740 says, since Pete didn't make the podcast, did he watch Shining Night app of Stargo yet? So can we get his thoughts on it and all Mikey goodness and contained? I'll mention this is going to be a little bit of a side plug and a little bit of a swerve, but Pete did watch it. And our bonus podcast for Stargirl is all about Pete's impressions of the episode Shining Night. So that's going to be going up. Uh, if you're watching live 9 p.m. tonight, you'll get Pete's unfiltered view of <laughs> yep. Shining Night. We really let Pete run away with it. And let me just say, in, in response to the last question, the comic I want to see is the Pete LePage life story, <laughs> fully illustrated. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to meet an artist, and I'm going to be the the writer of that comic. Wow! Uh, tell I me your story, be, Pete. Let me you be your be the artist of that comic book. Great idea. And I'll yeah. only you, I'll paint in steak grease as you would oh, like. Oh, nice, nice. Fully painted. You better use a little Worcestershire on that. You know what I mean? Of course. That'll be for the Browns. Worcestershire? Is that what you just said? Worcestershire. Worcestershire. What'd you say? <laughs> What'd you say? How do you say it? Worcestershire. Worcestershire. What? Look, we said it together, and we were pretty close. Yeah, that was <laughs> and, pretty close. What'd and what say? did you say? What did you say it again, Pete? Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> that's, that's how you I said it. You sound like you're rushing through a word that you have no idea how to say. <laughs> Where's the side time? Uh, question here. <laughs> question here from Joe Crack. In what ways have the various comic book movies and TV shows influenced you on characters? Like, has RDJ made you all care about more about Tony Stark than before Iron Man came out? Or for Pete, has Stephen Amell made you care about Oliver Queen? The comics did before. Or have any of the shows made you dislike characters before reading them? I.e., '90s X-Men Cyclops. Ooh, good question. I mean, I could say this is very specifically pivoting off your question, but Iron Man is not a character that I cared about before or really read before at all that I saw the movie. Like, I was aware of him being part of Avengers. Certainly, I read a lot of Avengers comic books, but I don't think I ever really read an Iron Man solo comic book before the comic came out. Uh, And there was just... Clearly, RDJ embodied him on screen. That was yeah. obvious for the first frame. Yeah. But then the comics stepped up to where he was with it was Matt Fraction, and I'm forgetting who was co writing with him, but his book was phenomenal. And since then, Iron Man has been an essential book. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's hard to beat that, especially. In all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is there a character, an actor that has fully just rewritten the the tome of that character besides Robert Downey Jr.? I mean, I'll throw out one to you. Uh, that sounds kind of crazy, but Colin Farrell as Bullseye. Wow, that's right? a weird like, one. It's, the one thing they took away from the Daredevil movie is giving him that scar on his head, the Bullseye scar on his head, making him... Yeah unhinged but fun in a very specific way like he was kind of like that in frank miller's one but they just doubled down on it after the daredevil movie and he weirdly does not get enough credit for putting his mark on both also uh you know i know everybody uh you know 
Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin was fucking badass, man. That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, did, wow. Did I, I forgot about that. He's, a lot of love for the Daredevil great. movie coming out. And I gotta say, Ben Affleck was great as Daredevil, and Jennifer Garner was great as Elektra, and it was and, just and the overall. writing was great, and the movie was great. And what are we talking about? We love this movie. <laughs> let's go watch this movie. I love Daredevil. Let's watch and the John Favreau. Who was foggy? Uh, yeah, also wrote, directed Iron Man, which saved the Marvel Universe. So suck it, Alex. Foggy can you saves add the day? Foggy saves the day. Stuck on a cheesesteak, Alex. Can you add the Daredevil movie as a fourth box and just have it playing as a like sort of a general? No guest? problem. There's no problem at all with that. Give me a second. <laughs> it's what the people want. Yeah. Um. I. The question I don't about think we uh, can legally do that. No, and let's honestly not. That would be horribly distracting, and it's also yeah, it's, I would it's, start watching it. And, it's also a terrible. movie. You would watch that movie oh, over your friend. It's three ninety nine to rent on Prime Video. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> not worth. It. I can't spend that kind of money. That's on Prime Video. That should be on Subprime Video. That should be on oh, Under Prime on. Video. <laughs> come on, come, come on. Out. Uh, I had an answer. Oh, the answer to uh, the question um, about a character that you like more after uh the movie or tv show the original flash tv show made me really love the flash character john wesley shipman he's good he did good stuff all right there you go good question uh another one here on youtube with comics costing so much these days what do you all think of the future of monthly comics i think it'll be all trades in five years You've said that for many years, by the way. I've been saying that. We earlier plugged that we were doing the show for about 15 years at this point. I've been saying that for 15 years. Yeah, uh, you've been saying that for a decade plus, and yeah. it hasn't happened. I uh, I mean, to answer that specifically, like off that point, because it is something that I thought would happen for a really long time, and certainly the market has flipped to graphic novels are a much bigger money driver than monthly comics from Marvel and DC, but... They're not going away anytime soon. I agree. And did you see that chart that sort of showed the market share of all the, and people were like, the big two are not Marvel and DC. It's, I forget what they were, but publishing companies. uh, I think it's Viz and Random House or something like that. Yeah. It's something like that if that's not what it is. Um, And Marvel and DC have uh, seven and 8% of the market uh, respectively. I was also surprised that DC has a larger share of the market right now. (laughs) Uh, first stand up guy says Toshin and DK. I feel like that's probably wrong. <laughs> you think he made those up? Those are the name of his uh poodles, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, DK makes the like collectible books, like the coffee table books, and Toshin does too, I think. Um, Yes, art book publishers. All right, this is from Stray Bullet. With respect to Kevin's problem we talked about earlier today in the Slack, and for you, if you aren't in the Slack, please join us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Just $2 Great a month. Plug. We do have fun. We talk yeah. about different yeah. types of food, and yeah, that's pretty we, much it. We put up all the cameos and stuff there, too, if you want to see those that we talked about earlier. If you want to see the original sucking on a cheesesteak. Yeah, we should actually, I want to get back. Hold on. We're going to read the rest of the question. But Pete, can you talk about what your birthday cameo was? Oh, my God. Yes. So Aaron. Yeah. No, wait, wait. We got to do the question. What? I'll do the question in a second, but I want to get the cameo first. I got you. Okay. So 
when I lived down in LA, uh, I was in the Oakwood apartments and, uh, you know, I had a bunch of drunken nights in LA that I wasn't proud of. Uh, one of them being the time that I, uh, heckled, uh, Balky's, uh, balcony, uh, a bunch of times. Cause we balcony. got Balky's balcony. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, balcony. Yeah, Depot. because he would be in his apartment and uh, we would also be in the same complex. I never saw him in the complex, which is good news for him. So I would get drunk walking back from the smokehouse and we would walk by his uh, uh, his apartment and we would I would just heckle him. Balgi, we love you, Balgi. You're the best. Come on out, you know, like for hours and hours. And um so I felt pretty bad about this. So then Aaron uh, uh, reached out to Balky. Well, hold on. Bef- before you get on that, I just want to mention for context, we do a Chilling Adventures of Sabrina podcast called Chilling Podcast of Sabrina. Uh, and we've talked about this story so many times. Just basically every time <laughs> yeah. Bronson Pidgeon has show- showed up on the show, we've talked about the story. So get back to what you were saying. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just distracted. Stray bullet just said the smokehouse is closed, which made me sad. It was a great LA place where you could go and drink and they would feed you, which ooh, was when you're broke. Very exciting. So, anyways, um the Aaron reached out in cameo and got Belky to absolve me from my drunken nights of screaming at him. Uh he said that any adulation is great adulation and that you know, uh, there's no need for uh, for me to feel bad, and he is uh, happy to absolve me of that. And it was really a great present because now I feel better that I didn't, uh, you know, You're I owe Doogie Hauser apology, but I, you know, Balky has absolved <laughs> me, so it's great. I swear, well, I swear, once every two months we get an episode of Comic Book Club where Pete drops like 10 crazy knowledge starts <laughs> about his life and this is another one where he's like oh i lived in la i fucked with balky bartokamas and uh neil patrick harris somehow <laughs> what were you doing in la what there's a lot of people i can't imagine you living in la uh well i went to you know Ithaca College, and they had a, a semester abroad program. A lot of people went over to England. I went to L.A. because I really wanted to work in television and film. And so uh, I stayed out there after I graduated and kind of kept my contacts and worked in the business for a little while. Uh, there was this poor film company that I feel really bad for. I, uh, a lot of weird Things happen. Uh, no, not Disney. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, I'm not allowed back there. But anyways, like uh, <laughs> I lived out in L.A. for a year and then I moved back home and I was going to move back to L.A. But then I was like, let me try New York. And then yeah, that's uh, where you met your boys. That's right. That's where you that's met right. your boys. Yeah, there you go. Uh, back to uh, Stray Billet's question with respect to comments probably talked about earlier today in Slack. What's the best thing to do with all your comics if you need to unload them? I myself ran into this problem years ago and now have about 32 large boxes wow. sitting in a garage somewhere in Santa Barbara. I'm almost fully digital now to avoid this problem since no one is getting rich off rare comics as was promised when I was 12. What's the best <laughs> thing to do when you need to get rid of them? Well, 
there's a couple different, and what's nice is people have been talking about this in the Patreon Slack, so that's also a great thing to refer to that people were talking about today. But there's a couple different things. You know, you can get them graded and sealed um, and then sell them. Uh, you can take them to comic book shops and, like, legit comic book shops legally can't uh, screw you over too much uh, for your comic books. Um, you know, but, um, you know, unfortunately there's, it's not a good time to sell right now. I don't think, you know, so unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of different avenues, but that's, you know, that's all I've got. What do you guys, I mean, like you're saying, Pete, a lot of my suggestions are from the before times (laughs) where, uh, uh, you know, I, I uh, so I recently moved and I realized, oh, wow, I have a much smaller physical comic book collection than I remembered. And I had completely forgotten this for a little bit. But years back when Neil Gaiman suggested doing All Hollows Read, where you give away books instead of candy, what I did was I sorted through all my comics, hundreds of comics. I took out the ones that I didn't care about anymore, put them in a box, and I gave kids a choice on that Halloween, you could have a piece of candy or you could have a comic book. And the comic books were gone in like an hour tops. Like this was hundreds of comic books I had on my step. So that was something awesome. It was such a good experience. My wife vaguely remembers Neil Gaiman tweeting back at me about it, which I don't actually remember, which is kind of terrible. Ooh. But um, I, I'd certainly suggest like, see what happens, see if we have Halloween this year and maybe try that. And if we do, that might be a good way of getting rid of them, like with a good pay-it-forward type cause. Otherwise, libraries are starting to open back up again. I think that's always a good thing to donate to. And then, like Pete's saying, beyond the grading thing, you could always try selling them cheap to your local comic book shop if you want, because maybe they have a warehouse, maybe they have the storage space that you don't have that you can send them to. Uh, when I got when I moved in with my now wife, um, I gave away uh, I want to say like five six thousand comics, and the way I did it was I posted on Craigslist that it's all you can carry for five dollars from my apartment. So I had people coming and just walking out like with a cartoonish stack that of hurt, comics. Man. That just hurts. Yeah, I mean it, it was good though because it wasn't it wasn't the five dollar thing let it wasn't all like crazy people. So it was people who like just were comic people that loved the idea. And then eventually one dude came and took the last like 3000 in his trunk and gave me like 50 bucks or something. Wow. Wow. And that was just I mean, the comics. Just that was just your life. But that was just the comics that I was like, oh, I don't really need these, like some random mid mid aughts, uh, like X-Men okay. comics and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I've yeah, seen, I've- I've seen like stoop sales and stuff where people are like, you know, five comics for a dollar or stuff like that, where people are trying to like do a garage sale or something like that as well. I feel like this is only because I'm sitting in my basement right now. My comics, my old comics are right over there. I feel like we should do a most precious comics. You should show us. I should show us, but uh, we should all like get our. What is your most precious comics in a box in? I have, I talked about this, I think, last week. But I have a box from my dad of his comics from the 50s and 60s that includes, like, Fantastic oh. Two, which I'm terrified if I open up or just going to poof up into yeah. dust. But, yeah. you know, let's oh, do man. it. Let's do it live at some point. Open up the box and see what happens. I love that. All right. 
we'll, we'll make Ooh. it happen. We'll do it. That on sounds the fun. Show. This is a big question over here on YouTube from Ramsey. Uh, Comic Book Club has been one of the, and you're going to love the phrasing on this, Justin. Comic Book Club has been one of the earliest podcasts and YouTube comic journalists slash commentators. I'd love to hear their POV on the evolution of comics journalism since they started. Wow. Uh, I mean, I feel like we've sort of been around for the uh, a big rise of comic journalism. And then sort of a almost equal also a big up. rise of podcasts. That's for sure. I mean, part of it is it coincides, or at least what we've been doing coincides with the the evolution of comic book movies and TV shows, which have completely redefined the business. And I mean, I can say like very specifically, you know, I was editor for MTV Geek for a while, so I had a very specific view of like. Yeah, VMA's a very specific view of stats and what people were into. And without getting into specific figures, you could look at like when I was doing interviews with artists and writers that I was really passionate about or even things that seemed like, wow, this is huge comic book news. It was a fraction of X actor has been cast on The Walking Dead. You know, yeah. like there's no comparison there. And so to give a very broad, very short answer about the span of comic book news over the past 15 years or so, so many people have tried it as comic book movies and TV shows have become insanely popular, but have very quickly discovered that there is no money in no traffic in actual comic book news all anybody cares about is the TV and movie stuff, but at the same time, everybody is doing the TV and movie stuff. And yeah. the corollary there, and we certainly experienced this a lot at the beginning of our career with Comic Book uh, Comic Book Club. <laughs> she would forget the name. Not a great reporter, not a great journalist. Forgets the name of his uh, sort of the uh, source. But the every there's a lot more comic book fans out there that were initially clear. Like we got a lot of interest at first where they're like, you guys know about comic books. You've read comic books. Come over here. We have a million questions for you. Yeah. And then very quickly people realized, Oh, I could just read these comic books and be on the same level as everybody else. So there's definitely been an evening of the playing field where you get legitimate news outlets. Aren't just hiring comic book nerds. They're hiring people that know how to do the research and find out things there. So I don't know. Again, that's like a very broad overview of where it's gone. But I do think where it settles now is like the best sources for comic book uh, journalism and news are full up and down the spectrum of like, of covering the comic book as a source material for the TV and film uh, and, and beyond stories that are what there's a broader audience for. So, and I appreciate that because that's where it is really interesting to have that background and how comics inform storytelling just in general in uh, the rest of our culture. Well, and you also have outlets, the dedicated outlets, like somebody had one of the brought up CBR, RAP, and definitely that's super sad. Newsarama is, I think, actually doing a great job of comic book reporting right now, but they're basically not existing anymore. They're part of Games yeah. Radar, I believe. But if you look at some more major publishers, we had Susanna Polo on a couple of weeks ago on the live yeah. show. 
from Polygon. She's doing an awesome job, and she's doing an awesome job because she's super smart about it. You know, she's doing the comic book stuff that we want to read, the comic book journalism as comic book fans, but she's able to do other things and put her fingers in other pies as well. Or Oliver Salva over at a V Club, same sort of thing. Abe Reisman, who's a regular guest on the show, does that at Vulture and New York Mag, where the trick is to figure out how can I take this thing that's a very niche thing and make it work for a broader mainstream audience. Uh, and if you can figure out that, great. If not, you're going to get a very, very low level of engagement for your stories, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Very broad answer to your question. Uh, all right. Pablo Dari Martinez says, did you watch panels from Comic-Con at home? And if you all did, what's your favorite panel? And what do you think about cons like this in the future? Did you guys check out any of the panels or do any reading about any of that stuff? Uh, I, I watched a couple. Yeah, uh, you you go in one second, but uh, just real quick, I checked out uh, the boys panel uh, because they announced the after show uh, yeah. that's going to be on Amazon that I actually worked on that we can finally talk about now. It's coming to Amazon at the end and of what's August. Your, what's your title? Is it he senior was, line producer on the show? Or yeah, what's you the, got bumped up. You're what's managing the title? all the money not, now, which is not really a real, awesome. <laughs> not a real thing, not a real thing. I was um, a uh, story producer, which is basically like. Another way of saying the writer, one of the writers of the show. That's hey, awesome, I just man. saw my friend Aton tweeting about how he was yeah. writing on the show. I was wondering. He was a segment producer. Did you work with him? I did. He was he was no. a segment producer. I was a story producer. So I was handling more of the scripting, and he was like putting together segments. Uh, but he was on my team, so we he and I worked together a, a lot. He's did a great. He, oh my god, that he guy was one of my sketch comedy students. Did he bring that up at any point when you guys were talking? Or uh, he did once he finally realized that um, we knew each other. Uh, he shouted out uh, Pete LePage and of course Mr. Alex Alvin. Oh great! Wow, yeah, because we used to be on an improv team together. That guy used to drive me crazy. He's a wild dude. And we would have, yeah, he's Zoom, intense. We had these Zoom meetings with like uh, the executive producers and everything, and he would say some of the craziest shit. It was amazing, yeah, yeah. Well, he's so obviously, dude. you're compromised, but what was your impression of the boys' Comic Con at home panel? And uh, it's fun, it's exciting. The season coming up, uh, if I can uh, jump right to that, is so good. I was so happy with it. So, let me just give you that tease. Uh, it's very exciting. Cool. Wait, have you seen all of it? Yes. Wow. Stunned into silence. Stunned into silence. So I checked out a bunch of the Comic-Con at-home stuff. Um, I'm, I don't know. I've honestly, I've been waffling back and forth because I don't want to be too critical of it because they threw it together very quickly. Clearly people were giving of their time to do this stuff. People put a lot of work into it. Um, if I was being unkind, though, I'd call it a mild disaster. Just Whoa. shade, I, shade from the Zalbin shade. I mean, honestly, like uh, for the, I don't know if you guys checked out the Comic Con at Home stuff at all, but the way that they did it, and this is my biggest, most frustrating problem with it, yes. is they pre-recorded the panels, which makes a lot of sense. You have a lot of people with a lot of tech stuff. You want to make sure that Patrick Stewart is on the same, you know, audio level as Michelle Hurd and whoever else you're bringing into the Star Trek Picard panel or anything like that. So you're going to pre-film it. You're going to edit it down. I get all of that. That all makes sense. There's still a DIY quality and that's fine. But the biggest mistake that they made is they then 
just posted them as YouTube videos. So the way that it works, and this is like very getting in the weeds technically, but you have something like, okay, you got to check out, again, to use this very weird example, the Star Trek Picard panel at 1 p.m. on Thursday. But if you go to YouTube to the Comic-Con at Home panel, it doesn't show up until like 104, 105, something like that as soon as it's cached in the system. And then you could zip through the YouTube video like you don't need to wait and actually watch it live. You could skip forward. And they also disabled comments. Yeah. So it became this thing that was like the exact opposite of the live experience where, frankly, as a journalist who was trying to cover this stuff, being able to watch the New Mutants panel and cut immediately to the end and be like, did you announce that you're going to you know, debut it on Disney Plus? Nope. Great. I could move on with my life. Awesome. Or I watched all the Walking Dead panels at triple speed because they were pre-recorded and I have a thing where you can watch YouTube videos super fast. Great. That was very helpful for me. But in terms of like the excitement of yeah, that's watching. that sucks. I was hoping they would exactly. do it live and then take questions from people and have a back and forth like at mm-hmm. the Comic Con. Well, I, a they should have done that, but barring that, they should have. There is ways of taking pre-recorded YouTube videos and rolling them out live and still having that countdown to a live video, the comment section that yeah. makes it feel more present, makes it feel more exciting, like the experience of going to Comic-Con that was completely missing. Uh, so some of the chats were really good, but ultimately I felt like it was very disappointing and it really did not create anywhere near the buzz it should have. Yeah, you're right. There you go. Uh, but there were some good panels. Uh, we got a bunch more questions here. Uh, let me jump back over to YouTube. Oh, boy, this is a tough one for us. I don't know if you guys read this, but Aaron says, thoughts on the Jeff Loeb accusations. Mm. So have you guys read about this? Or Yes. I, okay, I'll, I'll give a quick rundown for anybody who hasn't heard about it on the podcast. Uh, Jeff Loeb has been accused by one of the actors who played a Asian character on Daredevil of telling the writing staff to avoid writing about Asian characters because I think the quote was, nobody cares about that shit. So they cut on on the plot line for Nobu. They cut down on the plot line for Madame Gao in particular. There were a couple of other things that came out over the course of the weekend, specifically there because there is concurrent with Comic-Con at home, a bunch of save Daredevil panels that were happening among other things. Um, the reason I say this tricky is because we've had Jeff Loeb on our show a bunch of times. He's always been super supportive of everything we've done. He's always been super kind to us, but that doesn't necessarily preclude that he was unkind to other people. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts or takes on this? Well, and he hasn't responded yet, right? Yeah. I'm very, I hate when people don't respond to stuff like this, like come out and say what, like apologize or tell us what the what happened where the where the issue is because uh the worst thing you can do is not respond so um i am saddened that he has not responded and it's a whole it's not an accusation yeah, it's a horrible tough. accusation yeah i i really uh I, you know if it's true that's really shitty uh and there's no excuse for that 
Um, it's, and I'm not taking, you know, anything, I'm not trying to undercut the accusations or anything, uh, at all. Um, you know, it's just, that sucks because every time we've done an interview or every time we've done anything with him, he was super supportive. So that, that would suck because you would hate for it to be like a Jekyll and Hyde scenario where like, he's very on, you know, and nice Mm -hmm. and supportive when there's you know, cameras around or whatever, but like maybe off camera, he's a complete douche. And that would really blow because that wasn't what was portrayed. So uh, that would really suck. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying, you know, anything uh, about like whether or not it's true or not, but that, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a couple of comments here in the comments section about a thing that he came under fire for earlier, which was wearing like a karate out form to an iron fist uh, panel, which was real awkward, real racist, and not great. So people have certainly called that out as like a pattern of behavior there. And like you said, Pete, you know, we've interacted with him in a press capacity. We've interacted him in a chatting and friendly capacity that is very different from a business capacity. And people act different ways in different capacities. And uh, we just don't know. Like you said, it it made me super sad when I read that report. I didn't know exactly what to believe, like Justin was saying. But given that there is this pattern of behavior there, it's really unfortunate. Uh, there's a comment here about makes you wonder why Kevin Feige cut ties with Loeb um, over on YouTube. I think it's probably a little more complicated than even this specific thing there's so much bad blood between marvel tv and marvel films that i don't think it's necessarily limited to racism could have been part of it definitely um, but there's a lot of other things that are going on there i think in terms of proprietary the quality of the storytelling and other things like that so there you go hope that was a adequate answer to that certainly it's a complicated subject that i'm sure we'll be talking about for a while to go uh from steve bullet again what's your favorite comic food or comic beverage pairing Ooh, comic food or comic beverage pairing Mm. Mm. i don't know i mean I'm trying to think of like famous like comic foods. I mean, I think of the fun apple pie, kind of like the app fruit pies, uh, you know, thing that we've talked about a bunch of times. Um, I don't Have know. Have you ever eaten a fruit pie while reading a comic book, Pete? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's definitely happened a lot. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I definitely love food um, and, uh, you know, I don't. But that's interesting. Stray Bullet would be I would love to, you know, hopefully if this all passes over and we can get back to our lives, which I don't know how, it would be really nice to be able to go someplace, read a comic book and then get food paired with that. Like, oh, I see you're going to be enjoying this comic book. I recommend a nice, you know, uh, bloody steak with that or something. You know, I I think I told this story a couple of weeks ago, but I went to a press event for Get Euro, Anthony Bourdain's book. Uh, and mm-hmm. that basically had pairings with the book. You know, they were doing things that were directly recipes out of the book, but certainly things that kind of went thematically with it. Um, and that was great. I think that's the only time that it really had those things go together. This is also just while I'm thinking about press event type things, 
my favorite party that I have ever been to was the launch for the new 52 where they invited DC invited a bunch of journalists to go to a bar beforehand before their official launch and just hang out. And they had all 52 of the comics just sitting on a table. So you could just sit there and drink beer and read comics and nobody was talking to each other. They were just reading comics and it was the best night ever. Wow. That's nice. I was waiting for it to be like some hoity-toity thing where you got to sample the finest. Legitimately, like, drink as much beer as you want, read as much comics as you want, and then everybody, because it was that new, exciting launch, everybody was like, oh, this one is good. Read this one. And that was the extent of the conversation that anybody had. Perfect. That's nice. It was very nice. nice. I I mean, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a beer when you're reading comics. Sometimes if you've got to read a lot of comics, you need something a little bit more serious, like a Mountain Dew. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, like a Code Red. you got to have a Code Red. Uh, this is from <laughs> Edward Doherty. Have you ever completed any comic-related design projects, maybe in school? Ooh. Well, Justin had that job where he was doing, like, a lot of, like, nerdy things and making them at home. It was very, like, do-it-yourself type of thing. Yeah, I don't know with him. He, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, I think he got cut out of the stream, um, probably because of internet stuff. But I don't know how much we could talk about it. Or maybe he went to heaven. Oh my God, he died. Here, I'll tell Um, you what, I'm going to remove him from the cast and invite him again. Oh, that's nice of you. Um, But yeah, he made like some fun, like, uh, uh, like Star Wars stuff. I remember. Oh, there he is. Hey, what's going on, Justin? We're talking about uh, hey, com- not comic sure. book crafts, things that you made that were nerdy. Can you talk about the show that you did a while ago where you did nerdy crafts? Are you allowed to do that? Yes, um, that show sadly, I guess, went away. Um, I worked for truly um, almost a full year. I was hired as a host for a DIY Star Wars show. We shot 50 episodes um, where I built Star Wars themed uh, like DIY projects. So like I made a Millennium Falcon Lazy Susan, um, an Adirondack chair um, that is Boba Fett, wow. uh, which I have here. I'll send a picture of it uh, later, no, later tonight. You have that there? Uh, yeah, Dude, it's right over on the other side. your last day and you're just telling me now, motherfucker? Uh, yes. I don't know why you would be mad about that. That's um, the first thing you say to somebody. Did I have a Boba Fett themed Adirondack chair? Hey, I'm up here where my Adirondack chair that Boba Fett that I made myself. Yeah, that's something you say to somebody. I did make a Han Solo tool belt, um, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, so anyway, um, we shot it. was Lucasfilm was, was behind it. Disney it was supposed to come out in the first um, of the final uh, three um, episodes. Did you in make the- your own lightsaber or something? No, it was all stuff that people could make because I was like a sort of a this old house style host building this stuff. So we shot all these episodes over like eight, nine months, and then something happened with um, – the the production company um, maker was the one of the companies behind it and they folded um and then uh warrior poets another production company they sort of got in some trouble so it's all just sitting on a shelf somewhere dude uh, put it on disney I, plus man come on yeah I, that's what i'm saying disney plus i don't Hollywood know if I, have I don't know if i have that power uh nice uh, that's too bad 
Uh, they should put it up somewhere. I agree. Um, couple of questions here over on YouTube. Uh, will Comic Book Club ever interview any classic creators about their work? Imagine Comic Book Club looking back on classic books like they have with the extra of interviewing the creators of that book. Sure. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we will. Yeah. Sounds great. Yes. Confirmed. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, we've interviewed a bunch of classic creators in our yeah, time. Uh, there was, oh my gosh, I keep getting his name. Was it Jim, not Jim Starlin, not Jim Salakrup. The Jim guy, Lee? Who's the guy at the Philadelphia Con who uh, oh, I interviewed uh, before you guys got there? Do you remember his name? <laughs> Jim Zub? No. No. Uh, the guy Starlin? That, no, not Starlin. No, it was like Infantino or something like that. Yeah, it's not Carmine Infantino. I'll look it up, but he was the guy who, uh, you guys weren't there, but on the paddle, he confessed to a murder, basically. So that's made me like a little shy on interviewing classic creators, but well, we'll figure something. Do you think he's the classic creator in the Ed Brubaker's uh, two-issue series, or three-issue series, I think? Steranko. Um, Steranko, yes. Steranko. Joe Crack, yeah, nice job. Yeah, he also gripped my arm so hard it left bruises. And then on the walk back to his table, lamented the fact that the girls weren't as hot at this con as they were at previous cons. So wow. It was all not great. But uh, but thank you, Keystone Copic Con, for having us there. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, I excused myself, by the way, after he said that. I was like, mm, I am married. Leave me alone. Uh, question over on YouTube as well. Alex, I love Superman Smash of the Clan. How was it like working with Gary Hyru yourself? Uh, great. I mean, that was a dream. They're one of my favorite, two of my favorite artists of all time. So I was over the moon to work with them. I only met them briefly at a New York Comic Con, but they were so friendly and so nice. Um, they were fantastic. And it's the sort of thing where, I know people talk about this all the time, but I would write stuff and I would send it to them and then they would send it back and they'd be like, yes, that is exactly how I pictured in my head or better. So amazing. Uh, there you go. Uh, question from Pablo again. G4 has been announced to return in 2021. Thoughts? Let's bring great. it on. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Justin, didn't you and I both audition for like a G4 hosting job or am I yes. remembering that? I think that is accurate. Um, back in the early days of comic book club, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, Pete. Yeah. I didn't get, nobody told me about a G4 audition. I think they were waiting to bring you out for G5. Oh, okay. Well, and <laughs> no. that's my agent. So, you know, if, yeah. if they wanted you to get go- you on a G6, like a G6, Pete. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, we got. I think two more questions here from Juan Espinosa. What was the last comic book you guys read that was not about superheroes? Wow, that feels like that feels like some serious shade. Juan yeah, Espinosa. exactly. Yeah, that's some shade. We read shade. a bunch of stuff that's not superhero stuff. Yeah, here, I'll read you off what's happening in our uh, Stack podcast that's going up Wednesday at nine a.m. Uh, we got uh, Nailbiter Returns. That's not a superhero. Yeah, we got uh, Rogue Planet. Not a superhero. Ascender, Plunge, Lost Soldiers. Shadow Roads, Hedra. There you go. You know what? Enough. <laughs> Whoa, take it easy, Dallas. Okay. Take it easy. All right. We're, we're, we're really cool. 
Oh, wow. You turned into Seinfeld when you're fucking angry. That's Come weird. On. George, <laughs> the deal? I never, I never read superheroes, George. Oh, my God. He read a lot of superhero yes, Superman. He did. Yeah. He loved Superman. Weird detail about Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Hollywood Homer says, what digital comics apps do you use? Mostly Comixology. Ever tried Hoopla or Panels? Others? Hmm. Uh, Ooh, I've I never tried I, Hoopla. Yeah, I've never tried Hoopla. Uh, I think just Comixology for me. Yeah, me too. I'm interested in Hoopla. Yeah, I'm going to check out Hoopla. I don't know what it is. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> come on, Nat. Uh, do you guys know the names of any books yet? Okay, so there was a question a couple of weeks ago. Encyclopedia? <laughs> yeah. That's a book. We called out the Bible earlier yep, on. The original life. book, according to my great-grandparents. Kiss the Sky? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. So there's two books, the Encyclopedia and the Bible. <laughs> yeah, what else do you need to read? That's everything. Uh, last question from Joe Crack. Anything Asking for a friend, sometimes enemy, you all ever going to do Doom Pod Troll? Uh, ooh, question, but that's friend. actually all the time that we have for oh, so sad. I'm sorry, we just can't answer that one right now. All right, that is it for your audience questions. It is time to move on to our next section, which is audience que- uh, trivia. Excuse me, and for that, wow. we turn over to Pete LePage. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely uh, audience. It's not the audience first hand up guy. Yeah, um, this opportunity won twenty five dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics because we still are supporting our local comic book shop, which is Midtown Comics. Uh, so we just need a first hand up that isn't first hand up guy, uh, so we can get uh, some questions. It's a trivia contest. Um, yeah, yeah, first hand up guy. It is. Re- rude because you don't need to be on every show that we do every time we do it you know what i mean like let's share the love let's let other people get in there do you got anything on youtube selves uh yeah anybody on youtube want to uh come in oh we got a easy reader in youtube is actually interested in okay great first hand up sorry edward doherty Ah, that's fine. All right, so easy reader. This is going to be on a little bit of a delay, but I'm going to let Pete take it from here, ask you the questions, drop your answers in the chat, and we will let you know. Easy reader, you're on starting right now. Okay, so today's trivia is on topical comic news. I'm going to read you a question, listen to all three possible answers. There is a video up of whom making a mural in the Marvel audience or Marvel offices. Is it A, Alex Ross, B, Cliff Chang, or is it C, Topher Grace? So mm. which person is currently making a mural in the Marvel offices or just now, finished? That's interesting, Pete, because you wouldn't think Topher Grace would be an artist, but of course he created... A mashup. He did his own edits of the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. So in yep. that sense, in that sense, he is an artist of editing. Yeah. So um, for the person who is doing this quiz, I would recommend A. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see. Oh, Easy Reader says A. There you All go. Right. Nice. 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 First question. Right. Here we go. Question number two. Who is helping revive DC's writer's workshop to help get new writers into comics? Is it A, Scott Snyder, B, 
Michael Bendis, or is it C, Diane Keaton? Michael so, Bendis. Yes, Michael Michael Bendis. Michael Bendis. You see what I'm doing here? Okay. I'm leading the audience. Uh, so is it A, or is it B? B, not a real person. Yeah. <laughs> B, so a fragment of a person. Yeah. A, not a real person, or something that's a lie. No, A, it, don't say A is not a real person. A is Scott Snyder. No, A, comma, oh. not a real person, comma. You got to listen. You got to listen for the comma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't listen it very well. It was an audio comma. Yeah. Those are uh, tough to do. So let's see. Let's see what Easy Reader says. Easy Reader says A. Yeah, all right. All right. There we go. Great. Here we go. Great Final one. Trivia. What won the Eisner this year for best continuing series? Is it A, Bitterroot, B, Murder Falcon, or is it C, Susan Sarandon? So it's either A, Bitterroot, and you can win $25, or you can pick B, which is an amazing series, but not a continuing series. Interesting. Ah, this is a, this is a good question. I mean, you like... Both of those first two books, the A Very book much. and the B book. The C book, Susan Sarandon, doesn't seem to be a comic book piece. That's that is true. Interesting. That is true. I feel like but is of- is continuing. Mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon is continuing. She is. Very. So far. Ooh, Easy Reader says A. A is correct. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. $25 will be yours. Amazing. You are getting a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Easy readers. Shoot us a comic. Uh, comic. Shoot us a email. Shoot us a at, comic. Just shoot us a comic. <laughs> shoot us an email at comicbookclublive.gmail.com. And uh, you're going to get that $25 gift card. You won't even have to go into the shop. You can just use it online and stay wow. safe. Wear a mask, everybody. Uh, I don't see uh, Kevin up here uh, making his normal, you know, I don't know if Kevin, like, doesn't really hang on for the whole show anymore, it seems like, so I'm not sure. Kevin kind of uh, realizes that we're not figuring out what his secret quiz is, and then he falls asleep, I think is what happens. Yeah, classic. Which is all right. I'm falling asleep right now, too, so that's... Look, a lot of people in the comments are like, Kevin falls asleep. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> you know, so it's, wait, it's, it's uh, Tover Grace, Susan Sarandon, and what was the third one? No, it's uh, Topher Grace, uh, Diane Keaton, then Susan Sarandon. Yeah, I And know. Edward I Doherty, who I probably should have uh, picked, uh, is correct, The Big Wedding. Mm, Big Wedding 2004 is the Robin Williams movie that you were plugging. Uh, you have been going all of quarantine on Robin Williams' movie. How close are you to running out? I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go as far as for long as I can. All right. He deserves that's, it. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Beautiful. What a as loving we tribute. All know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day. We recommend you go wherever you want to go. That's safe. Because yeah, please be safe there. So don't what are you die. looking we forward to, Pete? What are, what's your What's your pick for tomorrow? What are you most excited about? Um. Well, Greg Pak. Fantastic writer. Uh, it's doing Star Wars Dar- uh, Darth Vader number three. I'm very excited. Nice. Justin, what about you? I'm looking forward to X-Men 10, I believe, is coming out, which is a tie into Empire. Um, I'm very curious to see how um, the X-Men universe, uh, very opaque in its current form, is going to tie into this big-time Marvel event. 
Yeah, I really can't wait to see how uh, Sex Island really works into the event there. Uh, they're going to fuck some plants. I'm excited about X Factor number one is coming out. Mm, yes. One of my favorite titles back in the day. There's been so many different iterations of that, so it should be fun to see how that pans out. And hey, all those books are going to be in our Stack podcast, which you can check out of the Comic Book Club feed or in its own dedicated Stack feed at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. And you know what? That is it, folks. That is the end of our show here. So a couple of things to plug before we start to wrap up. First of all, I want to thank our two amazing guests on this week's show, Alex Byer. Don't forget to check out Rick and Morty Bird Person number one on August 5th. And also Corey Lewis with Peng Action Sports Adventures from Oni Press, which is a fantastic graphic novel collection. Check out both of those things from Oni Press. They're both awesome. Also, next week on the show, we have two more amazing guests for you. Can you believe it? We have Steve Orlando is going to be here on the show. Oh, man, he's fun. He is so much fun to have on the show. So many projects going on, so it's going to be awesome to talk to him. Also, Anthony DeCiato is going to be here to talk about his documentary, My Comic Shop Country. He traveled around the country visiting comic shops, which is a fascinating thing to do right now. So that should be fun. Also, a couple other podcasts we do. Star Guys, our star Girl podcast comes out twice a week, Mondays and Tuesdays. Let's hear it for the boys. Our boys podcast is out on Fridays. Yeah, come on, that's amazing. Academy is uh, uh, every Thursday uh, about the Umbrella Academy. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and other shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Don't forget to sit in your Boba Fett chairs before they get <laughs> I can't believe he's, Sarlacc. He's, he's sat the whole time he's been there, and Classic. he's never freaking done it. For those of you listening to the podcast, Justin is sitting in the chair right now. What a way to end the podcast. Good night, everybody. Kevin Kuwait. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.